0: Welcome, welcome back to Boss & Cage Podcast. So today's show is going to be a special treat for me personally and for all our avid readers that are listening to this episode. This guest, I'm going to deem him the insider boss, and he's going to be able to tell you a little bit more about why I'm calling him that. But it's not every day I get to interview someone that has the same amount of passion for books that I do. So if you're watching this live on the video feed, you can obviously see the plethora of books behind this individual. So, Brandon, without further ado, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, my name is Hakeem. I'm the founder of InsiderSchool.com. And for me, this whole journey started when I was in college. I was in one of my first classes and started thinking to myself, when will I ever use what I'm learning in school? And I went to the dean of my university and I was hoping she would tell me why I was not thinking about this correctly. Mm -hmm. And she said, basically, that what you're telling me is a function of the education system and not the school. And that's when I started reading books. So over the last however many years it's been since then, I've read over a thousand books um, sometimes a book a day, sometimes more than a book a day even. And what I do now is I make the wisdom in books, super accessible and actionable for people. Nice. Nice.
0: So, I mean, with, with that, I, I, there's so many different, like insightful insight that you just stated and you read a thousand books. Right. So obviously you, you're well beyond the philosophy of reading uh, 52 books in a year, right? You kind of step that up to a whole nother level. So let's like dive into that. Let's unpack that a little bit. Like first and foremost, how
1: the hell are you doing it? Well, I, I think there's overall, there are three big, if we, if we just stay bigger picture, there are three big obstacles that people face when it comes to reading books. I don't have the time, I don't have the motivation, and I read too slowly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, let's start with the motivation piece, you know, Naval Ravikant, he, um, he says, and I really like this, he says that if you can't get yourself motivated about what to read, just read what you're interested in. And I think so many times we'll read a book because it's assigned in our mind, you know, you hear somebody talking about a book, you're will like, go, oh, this is a bestseller, I should read this. Mm-hmm. But if instead we take a step back and say, what are my goals and realize that any problem you could ever face has already been written about, mastered, and you can just take it and solve it right there. Um, That mindset, at least for me, gave me a new motivation to sit down and start reading in the first place. Hmm. So reading what you're interested in. What about the time part? Albert Einstein supposedly said, uh, which I really resonated with, he said that, If a person studies a subject for 15 minutes a day, in a year here, she'll be an expert. And I think the idea is that so much of the time we don't start to read because we think, oh, I don't have an hour to sit down and read. But the idea of even 10 minutes a day, but not missing a day over a long period of time adds up to a lot. Plus, a lot of times the hardest part of starting something, or the hardest part of doing something is starting it. So... What's really cool about that is you sit down for 10 minutes and sometimes you'll be like, wow, this book is so dope. I just want to keep reading it. And you'll go for 30 minutes, you are going out, So just that ritual is super important. And then when it comes to speed, I have a lot of different tricks and things that I use, whether uh, reading in layers, so not just starting from page one and going to the end, but getting a bigger picture view and then a, a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller. So going layers like that or, um, using audiobooks and listening to it at three and a half times the normal speed, and having the book in front of me is another trick that I use. Um, but what, one of the easiest really is just having a pen and leading your eyes along as you read, and that can instantly make you probably like a 50% faster reader. Nice, nice.
0: So I'm, I'm going to notify everyone in my household and I'm going to piss them off because I've been listening to audiobooks at two point time speed forever. And I always tell them, OK, your brain is going to adapt. You'll be able to understand and comprehend it the longer you listen to it. And now you're telling me three point speed. So I'm definitely going to try that and I'm going to piss everyone off as we drive across the country in different places. So imagine what that's going to sound like. But I want our I want our listener to understand like like what he just said is such a golden nugget. And if you don't take action on it, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. So talking a little bit more about you, right? If you could define yourself
1: in three to five words, what would those three to five words be? I think the first word is curious. I'm always thinking about what does this mean? Or how does this work? Or what can I learn about this? And trying to stay as much as possible away from thinking I know something. You know, I think it's so common, especially, I mean, maybe always like this, but it seems especially today where everybody feels like they have to have an opinion on something or on everything really. And not only an opinion, but the opinion is the correct way. It's the right way. And then they say, Oh, if you're not looking at it that way, you're crazy. And for me, I try to look at it the opposite I just want to be curious. I want to hear all the opinions. I want to hear all the thoughts. I want to learn all of the, all of the things. So that's the first one. Uh, The second one, which maybe is a little bit more, aspirational more than anything, but it's kind of a compass that I try to live by because I spend so much time reading and learning and is depth, or you could say deep. But what I mean by that is I remember I was running a restaurant for several years out of college and there was this guy, he'd always come in, he was a a pastor and he said that the key to life is breath and depth. Depth as in kind of like the cross. You go deep and breath as in you know a lot about a lot of things. And that really stuck with me that We put so much focus on the intellectual side of life. Um, But for me, just really reminding myself every day, wait, no, what's even more important is the depth side of life, the presence side of life, the being in touch with your emotions and the energy and the human connection side of life, which is so easy to forget. Um, And, and the third would be a good third one is lightness. I think, and again, of course, it's not always like that, but how I see myself of how I want to be or the authentic me is, is lightness. And what I mean by that is so much of the time you're walking through, you know, you're walking down the street, you're walking through the store, or whatever, and you hear, just listen to the conversations people have about the most mundane things. And you just remember. And I remember, you know, I was volunteering at a retirement home. This is really where I picked up on this idea of lightness. I became friends with a guy who was 102 and I started to wonder, I'm like, which one of us is young and which one's old? Cause I was the one that was so serious and he was the one that was always laughing and joking. And, you know, and and that idea of lightness has been so important for me ever since. Very, 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 very interesting.
0: So, I mean, with that, I mean, I, just, I think you're, you're you're such a fascinating individual, right? And you've taken this information and you obviously evolved it, right? So that's like time travel back. Like, were you a, like a ravenous reader as a kid? Or is that something that you kind of grew into as you got older?
1: You know, they say a lot of things in life come full circle. And I think reading for me was one of those things. It started with my dad, who at the time was reading books like How to Win Friends and Influence People and Think and Grow Rich, and you'd listen to the Napoleon Hill tapes and things like that. So you'd always be talking to to me and my sister about these things. And I remember in fifth grade, I actually had the book Think and Grow Rich, and I was reading it under the desk in class. And the teacher came up to me. She just like walks over. She's writing on the board. I didn't think she'd see. And she walks over and she's like, what are you doing? And I was actually proud. I didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong. I was like, hell yeah, I'm reading Think and Grow Rich in class. Uh, So she comes over and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I lift up the book. I'm reading Think and Grow Rich. And she just looks at me, wasn't even upset. She just says, why? And so I I had the early inclination towards reading, but come like eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, high school, even college, I wasn't reading very much. I actually had a rule in high school and college that if a book was assigned, I'd never read it um, because there's two reasons. One, most of the time they're books that you're not interested in. Second of all, even when you are interested in it, when you're assigned something, it kills the intrinsic motivation. Um, so I think for those two reasons. Oh, and third of all, a lot, almost never did I feel like I had to read the book to actually get a good grade. So I was just like, why would I ever read? So it was it was, after college or maybe even during college when I started when I went to the dean and had that experience when I started reading again
0: so I mean I think everyone understands like the principle behind reading right but you take it to a level to where you've monetized reading to a certain extent so let's just talk some about your insider academy right like how did you go from being like reading all the time. And then when did you kind of figure out, well, I could turn reading into a business?
1: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I remember my dad originally got me into reading and then later on when I was reading all these books, he said, why do you spend so much time reading? It's, <laughs> um, but it, it's interesting. What comes to mind is a quick story. I remember in college I was studying abroad and I got really sick for like two weeks So my friend gave me this business training uh, put on by a guy named Evan Pagan. Mm. And he's like, hey, you have nothing to do. Just watch this. So I watched like a 24-hour training in like two weeks, maybe a couple hours a day. And one of the concepts that he talked about that was so interesting, I'll never forget. He said, you need to know the difference between creation and discovery. Mm. And he said that how things normally work in business is you start creating something and then you discover something along the way that ends up being your real success. And for me, there was never a plan to take books and actually turning and turning into a business. The only thought was I love reading and it, it just evolved one step after another on the way, you know, it started with making a course for college students on Mm -hmm. how to get good grades in less time. And then that turned into a course on how to help people read over a hundred or more books a year. And then that turned into other online courses on productivity and persuasion and communication and health and all these things and then only later did all of that turn into people asking like hey like you're reading so many books how can we stay up to date with what you're learning and that's when it evolved into a membership with it which is what it is now
0: so well, i mean just to talk about that membership a little bit so you're, you're saying that you know it evolved right and it's a 100 percent based upon supply and demand so you're reading books and then your membership is including like, what, what are you giving to your, your target audience based upon what you're reading?
1: The, the tagline that we came up with is 52 books a year in less than five minutes a day. Okay. And not only that, actually helping you remember what you learned, because I think a lot of times we read a book and we forget it. Hmm. And basically the way it works is, I believe that the best way to change someone's life or your life is one drop of a bucket in a bucket every single day instead of like, okay, I'm going to take a three-day seminar and ah, here I am, an entirely new person. And that's the philosophy that I base this membership on. It's a new five-minute video sent by 6 a.m. your local time every Monday to Friday. And every week we cover a different book and we cover lessons from a different book. Mm-hmm. So this week we're covering a book on productivity. Next week we're covering a book called Lifespan on health and increasing longevity and so forth. So that's what it is. It's uh, you get a new video every Monday to Friday by 6 a.m. Every video has an audio version, a text version, a one-page cheat sheet to remember what you learn, um, and then at the end of the week we have a five-minute recap of everything we learned. Um, and sometimes I even send like a one pager that has okay, here's everything to remember on one page from the whole week. Mm-hmm um so that's uh that's what it looks like
0: nice very 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 sound very sound i mean it's taking book clubs or like you know reading groups to another level to where they're not just reading the books for fun. They're reading the books to enjoy them, but they're also being able to take action and hold on to the content and leverage the content and, and push it, giving them recaps too. So it makes it so much easier for a reader to actually get activity from what they're reading. So I definitely, I commend you on that. I mean, I definitely, I love that concept through and through. So I, I just talk about like, you've been on this journey for, for a while and, and somebody may be hearing this podcast and they may look at you and say, okay, this guy's an overnight success. But in reality, how
1: long have you been on your journey to get to where you are currently? Well, it depends where you count as the beginning of the journey. I mean, for me, the first, I'd say the first real position that I had outside of like internships and went off jobs and things like that was running the restaurant.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And That I learned so much there managing people and especially in an environment where I'm 10 or 20 years younger than everybody else working there. Um, So that was when I was, you know, started 10 years ago. Um, And then with everything I'm doing online, that started, uh, I think, five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's been, it's definitely been a journey. Nice.
0: So to say, if if it was possible, right, if you could pick on a timeline from today until as far back as you can remember on your reading endeavors, if there's a particular point, key frame in time that you can go back to and tell yourself a key thing that you would want to change to do differently, you only had 30 seconds, what would you go back to and what would
1: you say to yourself? So basically you're asking if I can give my, my past self one piece of advice, what would it be? I think something that I've been thinking, it's tough, there's so many good ones, but something that I've been thinking a lot about recently, and I say this at the risk of it not resonating as much as some of the other ones, Mm -hmm. but is this idea of emotional reactivity. I think that, you know, like Tony Robbins once talked about this idea of like, you can only grow to how big your threshold of control is. Mm -hmm. So like what happens that you freak out whenever you start freaking out, that's like no longer the area where you have control over. And we all have different boundaries or the size of our arena is different. We keep hitting the same things and patterns on repeat of reacting emotionally in certain ways and realizing that, okay, this is something that can be changed. This isn't something that we have to be locked by, but something we can be aware of and realize, hey, you know what, this thing that I'm experiencing, I've experienced it 20 times before. I need to stop looking at these as one-off things or things that everybody experiences and saying, okay, what's the pattern? What's the emotional reactivity that's coming up and what can I do about it?
0: It's interesting. So, I mean, you you definitely come across like, you're partly highly intellectual, and on the other side, you have a lot of philosophy behind you. So, like my next question is kind of stemming from like your your roots, your grassroots, right? You you brought up your dad. You were saying that he was a a, a pretty decent reader. I would think that you kind of surpassed him at this point. But are any of your family members, including your dad, were any of them entrepreneurs or seasoned to where you can kind of get some feedback from them in a younger age?
1: One well, I'm very lucky um, with my parents. Uh, just being incredible influences and role models. Like I said, my dad with the books. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been amazing having them and then having, uh, whether it's family or family friends, just so many people, or even just people I meet along the way that want to help. And and I don't know what it is. I don't know if that's an experience that everybody's had or or what, but I feel like I've just had so many people on the journey that, you know, whether it's kind of meeting them once turns into a long-term relationship where they're just so invested and care so much. And have just been such huge role models for me that I I could look at any one of those people and say, I would not be who I am if it wasn't for them. Um, So, yeah, I feel very, very grateful for that and lucky um, to have had that.
0: Nice. Nice. So, I mean, just to stay on this path, right? So, I mean, obviously you've had influences from predecessors before you. Currently, like, how do you take that and how do you juggle like your work life with your family life?
1: Hmm. I think it's been an interesting journey, kind of like what you talked about before, right? You said like you started very intellectual. Now you have a lot of like philosophy and things like that. And I think for me, it always started as very, I started life- Only on the intellectual side, and only as I get, you know, as time passes, I start realizing no, that other stuff is as important, if not more important. So for me, with the family stuff, it hasn't even been so much a time thing that has changed, but more of an enjoyment thing that has changed. I think before, I always felt like even if I'm with my family, I'm always thinking about, oh, I need to be thinking about what changes I can make to the business, whether it was the restaurant or now this or or what changes I can need to make to my own personal growth or to myself or things like that. And more and more, I'm learning to just be there and do nothing and enjoy the doing nothing and just connecting.
2: Hmm. So sure for nice. me, it
1: feels even less of a time thing and more of a perception uh, shift.
0: I think that's very interesting. You're bringing up time, you're, thinking about, you're bringing up perceptions and it is kind of like, you know, we're talking about space-time continuum, right? And we're like in this, this warp reality. But like, how do you structure your day? I mean, like, what are your morning routines look like? On one side, you're saying that every single day you're sending out at 6 a.m. like clips from books and tips on how to strategize on the books that people should be reading. But what does your morning routine look like?
1: Yeah, and, and it's, I think that's such an important question because when you asked earlier also, like, what are the most important things you've learned? I think that is also one of them, the idea that we all need certain anchors in our life that no matter of what's going on, we are able to show up as close to our best as possible. Hmm. For me currently, my I have six habits that I do every day, um, but the two in the morning are a meditation practice and the second part is reading my plans, um, which is in this binder, uh, like has the principles I want to live by, the reminders for the day, my goals, vision, all of that stuff. And then part of that plan process also has like tracking in Excel, um, different things that I want to track, like how I showed up the day before, how I used my time the day before, my sleep, things like that. And also just um, just scripting my day. So those are the two big things that happen every morning are meditating and kind of getting centered for the day. And then um, the planning part, which includes the reading, includes mm-hmm. the cell and includes the actual on paper scripting, what that day is going to look like. Nice. Nice.
0: So this, this next question is, I've been twitching this entire conversation waiting for this particular question, right? It's a three part question. And I know that you're going to deliver because you're a book guy. And then and, and just looking at the books that you have behind, I know you're going to fulfill this requirement. So question number one. So, okay, what so- act, books, ask that question again. It's just three parts. So the first part is, what books have you read on your journey to get you to where you are? What books are you actively reading or listening to now? And have you had an opportunity to author or write any books
1: as of yet? Perfect. So the first question, uh, I'll share the books that have influenced me more than any others. The first book was when I was 17 years old. I got these CDs from Amazon and would play it. There were seven CDs and go from the first to the seventh and back from the first to the seventh. Uh, And I listened to maybe like 10 times in a row. It's called The Power of Now. And, you know, a lot of people read that book and they're like, oh, but there's like everything you need to know that says in the book is on the title, The Power of Now. But there's just something about reading it and realizing and almost putting me on a journey that that to me seems like the most important thing in life and it's been for me a lifelong process of experimentation and learning and growing uh of embodying that philosophy in that book more and more so that book was really influential one that i read recently that was in in a similar vein that i really enjoyed um, was the untethered soul and then by the same author as the untethered soul michael Singer. Uh, the surrender experiment Mm. so when it comes to kind of like spirituality so to speak i really really enjoyed those um napoleon hill's books have been very influential for me as well think and grow rich uh i've read many times and then really interesting uh have you heard of outwitting the devil he wrote that the year after yes so good Um, so that's another one that was really, really influential that I read many years later because it didn't come out until 2011, which is crazy. Hmm. Um, so those were two that, that also, um, come to mind. I think, I think when it comes to like books that were, have been really, really foundational for me, those have been two that have been maybe more, or at least two categories that have been more than anything else. And also this is a little bit more out there, but, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson's essays. Mm. Uh, I really enjoyed his essay on compensation and self-reliance. And, um, those two in particular, uh, were really impactful for me at the time when I read them.
0: Nice. Nice. And then the last question would be like, what, have you had an opportunity to author any books as of yet?
1: Yeah. 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 Well, also you said, uh, you said, what am I reading now? So yes. the, <laughs> the challenge with what I'm reading is, I'm very rarely in the middle of a book. I'm usually about to start a book or finish a book. So uh, yesterday I finished the book Lifespan and I now I need to start the next one. Um, so I, cause I usually go through them in a day or two. So I just sit down, finish it, go to the next one. Uh, and then as far as um, authoring books, I have not authored any books. And it's truthfully hasn't even been on my mind. I, I see myself more as a messenger than the... Uh, Than wanting to be the person on the top of the mountain saying, here's what you need to do. Um, it was interesting though, when I was 19 and I was volunteering at that retirement home, the guy that I became friends with, who, you know, I was friends with him until he was 102, and we wanted to write a book together, or more accurately, his dream was to write a book, and I wanted to write a book with him. So we're doing all these interviews and just this whole beautiful journey. And I think that was the only time where I really felt uh, I wanted to write a book. I mean, I've put a lot of ebooks together, which are kind of like my favorite lessons from all of the books until I hear my favorite business lessons here, my favorite relationship lessons and so forth. But it's really just a compilation of different lessons that I've learned. That's nice. So
0: bring up the the outwitting the devil. I mean, if anyone has not had an opportunity to read that book, it's for your, to your point, it was written back in like 1930 something and for it to be be released now. And it's still relative to this day, much like think and grow rich. But the difference between these two books is the outwitting the devil is a conversation between a man and the devil and it's, I'm not going to like, I don't want to like tell you the story. I want you to actually read it, but could you imagine like a first person having a conversation with the devil and they're going back and forth and they're bantering. That's the quality and the detail that you're going to get from this book. and It's going to really open your eyes to really think about things a little bit differently. And then to go into like your other thing about not writing books. I just, I think If you do decide to write a book, I think you have so much content, so much like delivery mechanisms that you can probably fulfill like requirements for other people to not only sign up for your membership, but to have like, you know, the holy grail of your knowledge within a series so they can kind of go back and be like, okay, this is series book one and this is what the message is. And then by the time they get to book four or book five, they should be able to get to the next level or to step into where they want to go to further in life.
1: Yeah, I like that, and I've actually been I've been intrigued by the idea. I haven't really thought about it much, but intrigued by the idea of just kind of compiling the biggest lessons in different categories into books that people can actually have on their desk and flip through, and uh, things like that. Because I just I just love and I obsess over how do you take you know whether it's hundreds or thousands of pages of wisdom and condense it down into minutes or pages, yep. and uh, you know something like that does really the idea of that does really excite me of being able to share that with people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think if you if you decide to do it, it was definitely a great win win. Cause I mean when I wrote my first book, it was it took me like six months and then I've created a system to where I could essentially write a book per week now, much like how you're reading books pretty quickly. That kind of changed my viewpoint in the beginning. It was like, this is hard. I don't want to do it, but it's just like muscle memory. As you build up, things become easier and easier. And now I've produced eight books in a short period of time. So I'm thinking that once you kind of apply what you know about reading to developing books, you probably be dropping books up one per week. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, with that, I mean, you was telling me the story about the guy that you I think he was 102 and you were uh, working with him to potentially write a book. So, obviously, he's 102, probably older than that now. Hopefully, he's still around. But in age reference, where do you see yourself 20 years, 30 years from now?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's more of a vague vision than a clear, like, okay, it's definitely going to be this mechanism. But I've just always been obsessed with the idea of challenging the status quo. And some of the quotes that really impacted me when I was in college and having that experience with school, and at the same time going into this retirement home and becoming friends with Dan, uh, was just looking at the people that I admired were almost always doing the opposite of what everyone else accepted as normal or correct. And the quotes that really resonated with me, you know, Mark Twain said, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Earl Nightingale said, If you don't know what to do, just look at what everyone else is doing and do the opposite. You'll probably never go wrong a day in your life. Oscar Wilde said, Everything popular is wrong. Not necessarily saying that that extreme is correct either, but I'm just obsessed with the idea of challenging the things that people think they know or the ways of living that we think are normal, but they're not really normal. They're just the norm. And there's a big difference between normal and norm. So, for me, I don't know whether that's going to look uh, like physical schools, whether it's something online, whether it's something else, but just that idea and making that impact both at a breadth level with a lot of people, but also depth level where it's making, helping people really live lives that, that are different than just that traditional path uh, is what, what excites me very, very much.
0: Hmm. So I mean, I think it's definitely interesting. I mean, like you said earlier, I mean, you were really on the analytical side, really intellectual. And then that kind of grew into more philosophy. But, you know, obviously, I think you have a lot of systems in place to be able to create the courses and the online platforms that you're creating and being able to maintain that. So let's talk about like what software or, you know, systems that you use that you would not be able to execute what you're doing without having access to.
1: Yeah, well, I think the first quote unquote system is a philosophy. Mm -hmm. And a philosophy that I always try to live by is how how can I do this once so I never have to do it again? Because there are too many things for me to do. And not only that, there are only a few things that I'm uniquely good at. And there are most things that I have to do that anybody else can do equally as well. Mm -hmm. So for me, just that philosophy and the quote-unquote system for the most part, it is other people. Other people who are truthfully better at me, better than me at a lot of those things, uh, and are, allow me to focus then on the things that I'm uniquely good at. So I think that's the bigger picture thing. But as far as softwares, I use Trello to manage my team. I use Trello to keep track of the books and podcasts and courses I wanna go through. Um, I use an app called To T E U X D E U X. Uh, that my friend showed me about to kind of just map out my to-do list, not only for the day, but for the week and the month. Um, So those are some, some specific things that that I use as well. Nice. Nice. So let's talk about
0: like final words of wisdom, Maria. And I think, let's for you, I would say you're talking to someone that's in college, right? And to your point, you're talking earlier, you was mentioning about you didn't really want to read those particular books because you were still getting the grades that you wanted. And those books were not really the books that you wanted to read. And then earlier on, you were talking about you was reading Think and Grow Rich during school hours. So if you have opportunity to talk to someone that's in college right now, and they're feeling what you felt at that time frame when you were there, what words of wisdom would you give them that will be insightful for
1: them to continue on their success journeys? I would say that you have to realize that learning doesn't have to be and isn't an assignment. It's not something that has any inherent value. There is no value in reading a book by itself or going through a course or sitting through a course or listening to an audiobook. and people think, "Oh wow, I finished this course or I read this book." Now I'm done. But if instead you realize that all of these are tools and powerful tools, to move you to where you want to go, then everything changes. And it becomes so exciting and so much fun to say, you know what, whatever it is, I just had this experience in my business or I just went on a date or I just tried to lose weight, but I didn't. And I didn't get the result that I wanted. But it's really cool because someone has gotten that result and the answer is out there. And I'm just going to sit and take it in. And I think when you start looking at things that way, and when you make it a habit of doing it every single day, it doesn't even have to be formally sitting down. It could be while you're driving, it could be while you're preparing your food, it could be while you're in the bathroom. But just this idea of people think we go to school, okay, now I'm educated, and instead replacing that with right, whatever, you went to school, but. What really matters is what you're teaching yourself in terms of skills and not just collecting information. You know, we, we decide there's no value in just collecting it and just listening to podcasts. Just, oh, I went through all this stuff, but what is your goal and what are you going to learn to move you towards that goal?
0: Wow. Well, I think you definitely delivered a, a solid, insightful response to that to make anyone that's listening to this episode to stop and think and and, and really take action on what you're saying because again I think being that you're both sides of the coin right I mean being that you're intellectual and you're philosopher at the same time and, and I want people to saying there's a difference between the two and that you're blurring the lines between them I think it's definitely a fruitful thing to listen to what you're saying so going into um, the next step would be Like after you say something so impactful, like how does someone get in contact with you? Like what's the best means? Is it through a website,
1: social media? Yeah, well, the highest form of value that I can provide at this point is the membership. Uh, So uh, you could sign up for a free trial of the membership, get the first book for free at insiderschool.com slash podcast. And uh, for any questions or anything like that, can reach out to me directly. My email is brandon at insiderschool.com. So those would be two of the best ways. Nice.
0: So, I mean, let's talk about like your ideal avatar for a minute, right? Because I mean, not everyone is going to be as reflective as you are. So like, who is your ideal target audience that you you want
1: to have inside your Insider Academy? You know, it's really cool. Uh, When I first started this, I uh, had a mentor of mine at the time, signed up for the membership. And then he had an event, uh, like kind of a mixer type thing. I go to the mixer and this nine-year-old kid runs up to me. He's like, oh my God. I was like, what? And he says, I watch your videos every day. And And it turns out to be the guy's son. I was like, you do? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, what'd you think? And he's like, I love them. And I didn't believe him. I'm like, what do you mean you love them? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, what were your favorite concepts? And he starts listing the concepts, the Alice principle, the telescope of time, you know? And um, that's when I realized that this is a lot bigger than who I thought it was originally for, which was for people that like reading books. And at this point, there are a lot of different types of people who are members. You know, there are families who watch it with their kids, there are people who love reading books and use it as a way to find new books to read or use it as a way to, if it's a book they've already read, kind of like take it in, in a new way with actionable ways they can actually apply it. Um, or people who don't really or are, aren't super into reading right now anyway, but still want to take advantage of all the lessons in books. And then occasionally if one really speaks to them, then they'll go read that book to go even further. So there are definitely a lot of different, uh, and, and, age-wise too, it's a huge range. Like I said, kids and have, uh, I mean, the oldest one that I know of several in their seventies. So, um, that's so pretty cool in terms of the, the range. Nice. Very nice.
0: So going into bonus round, um, what is your most significant achievement to date?
1: That's a tough question. It's harder to give a specific example, but I think I'll start with the general and then I'll try to think of. I think the most significant achievement that I've achieved more than once is pushing past the barrier of my mind saying I can't do something and actually doing it well. And I can think of examples, whether it's going to a party and imagining myself like, wow, I'm going to be so shy and just have the worst time at the party and then having the best time seems like a significant achievement to me. Or, you know, when I wanted to release my first course, I mean, no one's going to listen to this course, but I released it anyway. Um, or, you know, the same thing, running a restaurant and having no experience running a restaurant, but doing it anyway. So I think those moments are the moments that I feel I would put together as the most significant achievement are the times where the mind and the thoughts say, that's, you know what? You've reached the scope of what you're capable of. You can't go any further. And then almost surprising myself of, wait, no, there is more. Hmm. There's more to you than you thought there was. Got it. Got it. I mean, I definitely like that. I mean, it's
0: always about pushing past your lim- what your current standing of what you think your limitations are to move past those particular hurdles. And as you move past them, it kind of, you grow, right? And it's kind of like going back to the Jewish proverb about lobsters. Lobsters have to have friction. They have to have constraint. They have to be irritated in order for them to break out their shells and continue to get larger and grow and grow and grow. So it's definitely, um, I think you're, you're living up to that, to that philosophy for sure. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, so going into like um another bonus question, like if you could spend 24 hours with anyone dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24
1: hours, who would it be and why? I think probably my grandpa.
2: Hmm.
1: I never met my grandpa. And uh, it was a point of great pain for me when I was a kid to the point that I think my current, some may call it obsession, but my current interest in health stemmed from that early age experience of, wow, my grandpa died before he should have, and you, and never meeting him, and uh, so I would love to. That would be awesome if, if that were possible.
0: Hmm. Definitely, definitely. So going into closing, I mean, I I love to give the microphone to whoever I'm interviewing and and turn the guest into the host of the Boston Cage podcast. So the microphone is yours. The show is yours. Do you have any questions you'd like to ask me?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, let's start with this podcast specifically. What was something that stood out for you is, wow, you know what? That was something that I think the listeners, uh, more than the other things, can really experience a shift in life if if they apply it.
0: I think it comes down to my questioning style. And a lot of podcasts that are like
1: business podcasts,
0: a lot of times they'll drive into these step-by-step how-tos. And, you know, we got a couple episodes like that where I stand alone and I do it by myself. And it is reasons why I do that. But when I'm interviewing someone... It's before they could even tell you how to do something or why you should do something, hearing their stories and hearing like how they have achieved what they've achieved, how they've overcome. Like for you, for example, like you're a kid in a classroom reading a, a damn book that someone's 40, 50 years old reads. So our, our, our listener could actually picture that. They could probably see that kid in their house right now, or they could visualize themselves as being that person. To your other story, you you going, you Working with someone that was 102 well, someone can see themselves working with a grandparent. So putting these stories into perspective and then weaving through the different elements of business seems to be way more stickier than just being 100% linear. You should do this. This is the step-by-step on how to do this. This is how you do that. This is what the results are. It's finding the, the blend between the two is where I found the most success in this podcast.
1: I love that. I love that. Um, my other question for you is obviously this podcast, but also your life and my life is, you know, we think a lot about business and I'm curious taking even a step beyond that with business being one part of it is what would you say that life is about for you? What have you learned that, okay, this is what life is about?
0: Well, since I I, I was close to dying at one time, but I, when I woke up and I realized that, okay, I'm still here and like, what's my next step? Like, what am I going to do? it became 100% driven towards legacy. And it's not just legacy for wealth. It's not just legacy for information. It's not just legacy for my kids. It's Everyone is born with particular gifts and traits. And I think it's a big disservice if you hold these traits to yourself and you only monopolize it internally without executing platforms to help inspire, help grow or leave breadcrumbs or educate someone else to follow in your footsteps, to pick up the torch after you're dead and gone. So that's been like the entire Boston cage came from that vision when I woke up and I was like, shit, I almost died. What is my legacy? Like, yeah, I've had businesses here. I had this, I had that, but really and truly, what's a tangible thing that I could leave behind? Well, that's, that's my likeness. That's my voice. That's my thoughts. That's books. That's content. So a hundred years, 200 years down the road, I could have a great grandkid that could be like, when somebody asks them that question, do you come from an entrepreneurial family? Do you come from an entrepreneurial background? Then they can say, you know what? Maybe my parents were not, but I knew that my great-great-grandfather was, and I listened to his information on a regular basis.
1: I love that. And uh, last thing that comes to mind, you you currently have kids? Yeah, yeah, two teenagers. uh, Teenagers, wow. Uh, So my question is, when it comes, I guess maybe it's two questions when it comes to family and when it comes to kids or maybe relationship and kids, what would you say are the most important lessons and principles that you've learned? Because that's definitely one of those areas that we don't get a manual in life for. And a lot of people learn on the job. And I think, uh, right, if, if we didn't have to do that, um, it it would be very pleasant. So First and that?
0: foremost, first and foremost, before anything else, you got to find the right partner, because, again, the whole opposite attracts or, you know, you could look for physical attributes. You could look for wealth. You could look for all these different things. But it has to be a compliment. It has to be like if you believe in the yin and yang, you're going to have to find like your polar opposite. So that way, when you're pulling, they're pushing and so forth. But there's always synergy. And once that 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 becomes the reality in your household, then everything else just kind of falls in place. Cause now you're not focusing on the tension. You're not focusing on cheating. You're not focusing on bumping heads. You're not focusing mm-hmm. on all the other bullshit that you see on television on a day-to-day basis. Now you're focusing on like, okay, how are we going to raise our kids? How are we going to leave behind wealth for our kids? What information are we going to leave behind? What are we going to set up? We could focus on that because we don't have to focus on the bullshit every single day, stuff that you see on reality TV. Right.
1: And what about the kids part?
0: Kids, kids oh man, the kids are like my son, like I've had primary full custody of my son since he was about four years old. We're a blended household. And when he was growing up, like I was instilling all these different strategies and, you know, Napoleon Hill and listening to, you know, all these different audio files and all the used to take them to the conventions. So it was kind of like infused in him. But then he went through his teenage years, right? So when you become a teenager, it's kind of like Your parents don't know what the hell they're talking about. (laughs) So like for my stepdaughter, it's the same thing with her. At first she had a little side business and then she realized that she had to work that side business. She can't just put something on the internet and expect somebody to buy it every single day. So she was getting sales once per week, once every two weeks. And she was like, the hell with this. I'm going to go get me a part-time job. And I was like, okay, you get a part-time job. But when you start working per hour versus leveraging your time for something else and maximizing that time, And I can see it going in one ear and I can see she's taking it, but she wants the instant results. And my son, he understands all the principles, but he's more so, Okay, well, I don't want to work for somebody. So I want to do stocks. I'm like, well, you still have to work at stocks. Stocks is just not going to be something that that you just press a button and a million dollars appear. You're going to have to become an artist of that craft. So I'm always instilling them. But they're also teenagers. They want to go to baseball games and basketball games and go hang out with their boyfriends and girlfriends and friends as well. So it's just being patient on that journey to know that everything comes full circle. So in the beginning he was instilled. Now he's kind of trying to find his way. And I'm sure by the time he's in 20 is when the reality is gonna open up that he's gonna be like, okay, now what you said 10 years ago makes way more
1: sense now. Right. I like that. And I I said last question about that one, but what you said a little bit ago. And maybe perhaps selfishly, I'm curious, what makes someone you'd said about the opposite attract and all that, but what what at the core makes someone the right partner?
0: Well, I think it's it's a balance, right? I don't think there's necessarily an equally yoked partner. There's not no magic soul out there. I think everyone has multiple different paths, right? So when you find that person you have to have like the commonalities, right? So it could be two business people, but one is more analytical one is more creative. One is more willing to take risks. One is not willing to take risks, but they both speak business. So that's the commonality. So you have that push and pull. It could be the same thing with family. Like in my household, I'm the one that I'm willing to jump out of a moving car, climb up on the side of a building and run through the street half naked screaming. And my wife is like, you know what? I got you. I'll take pictures and I'll stream it on TikTok for you, but you're not going to catch my ass doing that. And that's what I mean. Like she respects the fact that I'm a knucklehead and I'm going to do random stuff. And she's going to be like, I'm going to be more conservative by all means. I'll support you by recording that content.
1: I like that. So it almost sounds like not only the synergy, but also the mutual respect and acceptance.
0: Correct. Correct. And it's not I would say it's not easy or hard to find. You just got to be patient if that makes sense. You just can't rush into it blindly. And a lot of times, even to myself in the past, you rush into things because you may be physically attracted to someone. You may be attracted to someone like the way they carry themselves or the way they speak, but you really don't know all the aspects of the synergy between you and them. You're just attracted to that one thing. And you know, we live in like mag like magnets. So it's like there's not one magnet in anything. There's multiple. You could turn off a magnet, there's negative, there's positive. So you have to have like that on and off switch. You have to have some time for for the waves to kind of level out. Cause in the beginning it's going to be a high peak. And after a period of time, things will level out and you get to really introduce yourself or really see that real person.
1: Mm. I like that.
0: Cool, cool. Well, I I definitely appreciate you coming on the show today. I mean, I think uh, when we started the show, I had really really kind of I've already said that I knew there was going to be some synergy between us because we are both avid readers and that 's why when I saw like, your background I was like, I got to have this guy on my show, so I definitely appreciate you and your team for reaching out. I think it was definitely a great show. I think you gave a hell of insight, great details, um, great philosophies and, and again it, to your course and to your academy, I would think it 's a no brainer if you 're an avid reader and you want to get access to more books. This is why I created the the Boston Cage Book Club but his academy takes it a whole step further. He takes it to another level to where we're just promoting 52 books. This man is talking about reading a thousand books. So there's always another level and I want people to be inspired by that and reach out and communicate about it.
1: I really appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Great. Essay Grant, over and out. Or drop me your thoughts via a call or a text at 762 233 BOSS. That's 762 233 2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a Boss and Cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook become an uncaged trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free